The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Love Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a weekly show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining me, as always, not from his car this time, though, is Fishing Rico 4. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, buddy. I'm back on uh, terra firma at home and very relaxed after a great long weekend and some great footy to, uh, to be viewed and uh, ready to get back into it. Nice work. And uh, joining us for the first time this evening is no doubt a very, very happy West Australian local. We're talking with It Just Is. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, thanks for having me on board. All right, well, we'll find out a little bit about your port background first and foremost. Um, how did you become a port supporter? Yeah, well, um, like a few others who've been on the podcast, I'm a first-generation interstate supporter, so nice. it's a bit different to you guys. But, um, yeah, I'm probably a baby of the successful years of early last decade. Um, as a little tacker, I played all my footy at centre-half forward and centre-half back, so... Just kind of grew up idolising Tad Corns and Treadray. And yeah, these days I'm a bit of a footy tragic. Um, watch heaps of games and still love Port Adelaide. Beautiful. That's what we Good like work. to hear. Now, what was, your, uh, what was your first match that you can remember going to? Um, I've been trying to think of this all week and I'm not too sure, to be honest. My old man's a Mad Keen Dockers supporter, so it would have been one of their games. But yep. I couldn't even tell you who it was against or how it went, but I do remember going to some court games in the early 2000s against Frio, and they're pretty good memories. <laughs> Absolutely. It's big wins back then. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite match? Um, it probably has to be the elimination final last year against Collingwood. Yep. Just a fantastic game to watch. Uh, just the intensity all night. Just a great game of footy. And your favourite player, either past or present? Oh, it's hard to go past Chad Wingard. Yep. Just sort of light half every time he goes near the ball. But there's a few to like in this current team. Absolutely. Um, probably past players would have to be Chad Corns. Yep. Just loved him. The aggression. The way he went about his footy. Used to try and be like that back in under 10, sort of elbowing players in the back and chirping off whenever I could. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. All right, well, let's go, let's go on to our love and hate this week, which is one thing we loved, one thing we hated in and around the Port Adelaide Footy Club uh, for the week. Rick, I will start with you, buddy. What was your love and hate? Defence, Macca. Uh, defence, and not only an individual defence, but team defence. Um, it was something uh, we spoke about way back in round one, uh, where we seemed, against Carlton, we outnumbered the uh, the contest on most occasions when Carlton were trying to bring the ball out. And uh, again, against West Coast Evils, our, our defensive structure... Um, and perhaps some might call it a zone on occasions, and it just is. Might be able to talk about this in a sec uh, as well, seeing he was at the game. Um, but again, we've got a great defensive zone and structure going on. Um, our defenders are, are outnumbering the forwards or the midfielders when they try to pump it long. And in your review, you pointed out Dom Sheed in that last quarter just bombing it long, and it just kept getting turned 
over. Yep. Uh, it was it was something that we've been crying out for for years, and Ken Hinckley's been able to bring that to the team. And I, I think it's very underrated in the media at the moment. Everyone's dwelling on our power of running, um, and they're not really acknowledging the defensive structure that this team is performing week in, week out now. And I think that's to our benefit. I hope they keep being complacent, the opposition and the media, about our defensive structure because uh, I think that's the key to our success at the moment uh, in addition to our running and I'm just glad to see that we've got a strategy there after all those years in the doldrums. Fantastic. Love that one. My hate... Um, my hate macker is that they obviously the coaching staff don't listen to our podcast because um, <laughs> they shouldn't have left O'Shea on Darling for as long as what they did, in my opinion, and uh, they should have brought, uh, put Tom Jonas onto Darling a lot earlier. He could have been the match winner for them in the end, and we were lucky that uh, um, he didn't really kick a couple more on O'Shea, and especially in that first half, yeah. and uh, that could have bitten us on the, on the backside. So... Uh, I wish they made that switch a bit earlier. I don't know if they were just being stubborn or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, that was something that probably should have happened earlier on in the game, in my opinion. No, fair call. Good call. It just is. How about you, buddy? What was your love and hate? Oh, my love for the week, and sort of touched on it already, but just live football. There's nothing better. Nice. Um, obviously, being WA-based, don't get to see enough live port games, but just the atmosphere and the view of the game... You just can't match that on TV. And already penciled in the Dockers round 23 game is something I'm looking forward to. Nice work. Um, my hate for the week um, is probably a lack of umpire appreciation. And bear with me here, because they didn't have the best, best night Saturday night. Where's Tango? <laughs> Where's my pig? Ah, oh, bugger, I left it at bloody mother house. Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, so pre-game, um, just a few minutes before the bounce, the goal umpire was out there. He was marking out the centre of the goals with his foot and the, the ground staff took it a bit far. They were taking down the netting behind the goals and they almost dropped one of the poles on the poor bloke's head. Jesus. It, came, it was just centimetres from disaster, just a stumbling side step saved him. <laughs> And things didn't really improve from there. Jesus. <laughs> Could we? Would the game have been called off due to umpire death? <laughs> <laughs> Never seen anything like it. It was hard not to laugh. <laughs> Those poles would bloody hurt as well. That'd knock you out. Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus. What are they doing over there? <laughs> All right, well, my love, uh, it's got to be Brad Ebert, as Ford posted after the game. How bloody good is he? What a star. Mm. He's just become Fantastic. This, that's right. He's just become this absolute elite midfielder just through sheer hard work, um, and he can now do it all. He, he kicks goals. He gets the hard ball. He spreads really, really hard to get the un- uncontested ball. Tackles like a madman. Uh, he's probably the best footballer in the state at the moment and deserves to be spoken about amongst the elite mids in the competition, in my opinion. And he's getting some kudos in the media now too. I think the uh, uh, the media experts are starting to pick up on his gut running ability and uh, you know and his defensive aspects to his game. And uh, you know he he might be vice captain, but he plays like a, a joint captain out on Absolutely. the field and. It's his kicking for me. It's just come on leaps and bounds from his Eagles days. Yeah. Especially going inside 50, he hardly misses a target. 
No, that's right. No, it's improved out of sight. And it's actually been Mark Rusciuto that's been banging on about him almost constantly over the last sort of three or four weeks, which is great. Mm. Well, I wonder what the difference is for Brad. And I wonder if it's just been a fitness-based thing. I mean, West Coast Eagles, when he was there, was a pretty fit and strong side too. So, yeah, I can't. But it's, uh, it is interesting that his, uh, his kicking has improved so significantly uh, since he's come over here. I just think it's a lot of hard work, a lot of training and uh, and some confidence. I mean, you just got to look at the confidence in the players at the moment and guys who who were struggling in the past have just come on in leaps and bounds over the last 18 months since Kenny came on board. So it's fantastic. Mm. Now, my hate is uh, Chatty Wingard. Um, bear with me here because it, it was the fact that he was playing when he clearly wasn't 100%. Um, he did have a very important last quarter. Uh, but he could barely raise a gallop for much of the game, and he, he really struggled for touch. Um, he was chasing tail pretty much the whole game, dropped some easy marks, missed some easy goals that he'd normally sort of eat for breakfast. Um, I would have been pretty bloody dirty if we had have lost that uh, just by playing him in the forward line all night when he just he just wasn't with it for most of the game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. He was proper. He, oh, it wasn't so much proppy, but he just couldn't, couldn't get out of first gear. Benel was running off him for a lot of the night, and then Glass would go on to him and just monster him in one-on-ones, and yep. it's just a dirty night for Chad. Mm. Now, I was going to say, was it noticeable at the game that he uh, that he still looked injured, or, or um, not really? He wasn't wasn't limping so much, but there was no, he had no pace. It was, yeah, it was strange to see Chad like that. We were virtually playing him as a full forward. He was coming out of the goal square for most of the game, and yeah, Bunnell, as I said, was just running off him, or Glass when he was back there was just too strong. wasn't a good match up for us. So, yeah, it's hard night. It's not good seeing a champion player like that. No, he basically not... reverted to Simon Phillips for a match. I think <laughs> <laughs> we're not going with the eighty uh, percent of Chad's better than a hundred percent of uh, somebody else, are we? I don't know. I think. We would have brought him in for his star power and the fact that you know he could win us the game. And look, in the end, he had a he had a ripping last quarter, and you could tell just how much they were uh, they were sort of pressuring him and going to him, you know, double teaming that sort of thing. Um, so I probably worked out playing him was the right decision. I just hope he's fit and firing this week against Geelong. And if he isn't, then I definitely wouldn't be playing him. Let's go into the review. Uh, we played West Coast Eagles on Saturday night at Subiaco and came away with a very, very hard-fought 14-point victory. We won 10 goals, 10 to 7 goals, 14. Uh, the only multiple goal scorers were Robbie Gray, Brad Ebert and Jay Schultz, who kicked two goals each. Um, now, it just is, as you're at the ground, do you want to give us a first-hand review of the match? Yeah, sure. So we got away to a flying start, really. We kicked the first three goals, I think it was. Um, we are playing blistering football at the start, just spreading so well as we can. Um, really fast football. It's great to watch when we play like that. Um, to the Eagles' credit, they really fought back into it, and it was a tough, hard game for most of the night. Um, Darling was brilliant um, on O'Shea, and then later Jonas. You really worked both of them into the ground. Yep. Um, and, yes, hard hard game for most of the night. Lots of tackles, lots of contests. Um, eventually, we got in, on top in the last quarter. They 
looked to be a bit tired. Um, I mean, yeah, locked the ball inside a forward 50. I think it was 22 inside 50s to six in that last quarter. So we're on top there, and we managed to kick the last few goals and escape with a great win away from home. Yeah, mate, it was... I think one thing that you pointed out there, which has sort of uh, disappeared a little bit from our complaint list as a supporter group, is is the um, is the slow starts. We've really seemed to have dressed those now, haven't we? And uh, we're coming out absolutely firing uh, when we start the game. You know, we've done it the against North, even though we didn't win the game, uh, as we know, and then against Brisbane, and then and then this game as well. Our starts have been uh, really fantastic over the last three weeks, and yeah. uh, and the as well before that. Yeah, that's right. So it's putting us in a very strong position early on in the game. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, how much better is it to watch than coming from four goals down? Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. We just went out there with a bang. It was such a... It just seemed like a really, really intense game of footy. Like, both almost finals-like, as both teams just tackled relentlessly. Uh, no one had any time or space to, to work the ball. Um, and we really did come to play from the first minute. Absolutely. We took that run and carry game at the beginning and it was quite interesting that, you know, the last few few weeks, we, you know, it's not a game plan that you can run uh, for the four quarters and you, and you need to slow it down at some stage because otherwise you're going to get run over the top. Yep. Um, so... It's, it's interesting, you know, I was watching today's Hawthorne-Geelong game uh, with our preview coming up on Thursday and, uh, and they looked quite stagnant and they played, that, they played that sort of zone defensive style significantly for most of the game and whereas we, did, we, didn't, we ran hard for the first quarter, uh, went, went to that grinding contest for the second and third which allowed us to have a, our leg speed in the last to run over the top of West Coast and... Um, you know, we just looked like we had that running power when, when we want to turn it on. And, you know, obviously the boys and the coaching staff are choosing at this point in time when the right time is to turn it on. And obviously they've made that adjustment in the first the first quarter. They're getting it right. Well, it's interesting that we talk about fitness because we definitely seem to leave something else in the tank um, for later on in the game. We actually had 32 interchanges in the last quarter and 26 in the third quarter. And we had eight more interchanges than West Coast did in that last quarter. Um, and something else I wanted to talk about was the inside 50s. We had uh, we had 22 to 6 in the last quarter and 14 to 9 in the third quarter. So we definitely dominated the play in that second half. Yeah, absolutely, Macca. And um, it's interesting with the interchanges. It depends on which uh, stats you want to go on. Um, on the AFL website, it's got that we had 108 interchanges for the whole game, which is still up from what we were doing. Um, if you go with the, the paper format, it actually had 119 um, interchanges for the game. So our interchanges definitely, up, definitely were up. And um, I know we were talking about the depth of the inside 50s previously, um, and that was, uh, and that again came up in the commentary at three-quarter time. Uh, Ken Hinckley was asking his players to deliver the ball a little bit deeper, um, you know, where we can get exposed with those shallow, shallow inside 50 entries. And uh, it, it made me question. And what I was asking you guys was, um, you know, where we where we missing uh, Justin Westoff 
or sorry, not Justin Westhoff, but another tall forward? Or was it because Chad Wingard's influence was down? Or was it because we were missing Angus Montfrey, so that affected our structure a little bit? To me, I thought another tall forward probably could have been of benefit to us in our delivery just to tidy it up a little bit and straighten it because we definitely had the inside 50 entries, but we weren't really efficient with our with our uh, usage of it, which is quite unusual for us. Yeah, I guess that's um, the longer ground at Subi could could be having a bit of an effect there. So it's, you know, what, 20, 30 metres longer than Adelaide Oval would be. So you'd have to have to really adjust to that and pump it in a bit longer. But, yeah, we probably were missing missing a few forwards. Montfrey's his work rate, especially across half forward, would be very handy in that game. Um and, yeah, I'd like to see Lobie get involved a bit more around the ground, take a few contested marks. It'd be handy. Um, I'm not too sure if we've got many other forwards who could come in. So we'll get on Butcher later, mm. I'm sure. But yep. he didn't have a great day in the sandful today. I think with Lobie, and, you know, you probably hear me banging on every week about his influence around the ground. Um, you know, he seems to be, for us, more... a a defensive Rutman more than a, an offensive Rutman. Would you agree with that, Macca? I think he turned into more of an offensive Rutman last year, through the second half of last year. But it's definitely a criticism I've had of him in the past, is that he is more of a defensive Rutman. He, he looks he sort of jumps early, looks to sort of nullify the, the Ruck contest, and, and then just doesn't really do much around the ground. I thought he'd really turn the corner last year. Um and look, I thought he had a really good game on the weekend. Lobie was bloody good in the fact yeah, that... Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, he uh, went up against the best ruck combo in the league by far. And we only mm. had something like four less hit-outs and four less clearances. I mean, that's a pretty bloody good effort from Lobes. Yeah, he had Absolutely. the eight tackles as well. I think that was... For me, anyway, I thought that was his best game of the year so far. He looked to be getting back towards the some of the form he had late last year. Yep. And I think in the paper it also had down that uh, Lobie had 22 pressure acts for the game as well, I believe. Yeah. Uh, I might have been reading the wrong column. I'm getting old now, but <laughs> um, I, did, I did notice that one sticking out, so feel free to correct me if I'm, I'm wrong with that one. But, yeah, I just, I mean, but I agree. I just see he could be, especially if we're running with only Jay and, and Justin, to, to have Matt running forward into the in, uh attacking 50 would definitely give us a bit of added benefit in uh, putting a pre- bit of pressure on that opposition defence with the, with the tall timber, that's for sure. Absolutely. I think we really missed a lead-up forward. Like Westhoff was down, uh, Wingard was down, Monfries wasn't out there. We really missed something across that sort of 15-metre line to mark and then deliver it a little bit deeper. Uh, we just seemed to be wolfing mm. the ball in and it was fairly easy for West Coast to chop off um, and run it back out again. Um, what did you guys see as the turning point in the game? Yeah, well, that it, it's hard to look past Robbie Gray's two contested marks and goals in the third quarter, um, particularly that one from outside 50. He just went back. He's never been a great set shot and or a long kick, but he went back and put that one through and then a couple of minutes later kicked another one. Um, he's a vice-captain of the club now and he stood up when we needed him to and turned the game. We looked on top from that point on. Yeah, definitely. Jeez. I know I said, uh, how bloody good is Eber, but how bloody good is Robbie Gray? I mean, he was almost there last year. He just had to work on his finishing a little bit. Um, but right now, he's probably 
Well, I think he's definitely the best pure footballer at our club and probably in all Australian contention. He's probably leading the best and fairest at the moment. Just seems to be doing everything right. He takes these really strong grabs. He's a clearance machine in the midfield. He kicks important goals. He's just about untackleable most of the time. He's just got it all at the moment. Absolutely. I was very happy with Robbie's game. You know, that third quarter really swung it back in our favour and, and broke it open for us. And uh, the commentators again made reference to uh, his body positioning and his footy smarts. So he's again like Brad Ebert, he's one of those people that's now starting to get more notice and attention in the media. Um, yeah, you, you, and you can't be more happy for the guy after all the injuries he's, that's plagued him throughout his career and then suffering the knee injury um, to get that touch back. Uh, he, he's been he's a fantastic player for us and we spoke about I think last week or the week before he's he's one he's talking about wanting to recommit to the club and so hopefully that happens pretty soon and I have no doubt uh, that it will but yeah that third quarter he stood up when he had to and how easy was that first goal where he, he looked for the pass couldn't get one he was just outside 15 it was almost just like a sweet little nine iron wasn't it just chip bang <laughs> beautiful goal just pure class brilliant great to watch what did you guys think of uh, Impey? He's he's vexed me the last couple of weeks. I thought on when I thought on Saturday night his his run was really noticeable. Like he he was fast, but at the same time I just I felt like he he just sort of didn't use the ball overly well. I mean that's a criticism that usually we reserve for uh, Jasper, um, but I thought Jarman uh, he seemed to be a little bit deer in the headlights on Saturday night. He made that one really, really bad mistake in the goal square where he sort of handballed over his head and it, it missed the port player straight to a Darling, I think it was, who gold. Um, yeah, that's right. And he made one or two other errors. But look, I thought he really struggled in the first half. But to his credit, he really stuck at it. And I thought his second half was incredible. I thought just his chasing and, and tackling, it was really good and one of the reasons why we won the game, I reckon. Yeah, the thing with Impy is he's so strong one-on-one. Like, I'm... Haven't seen many he's lost all year. He's, maybe Betts got hold of him in one or two, but apart from that, every one-on-one contest he's been in, he's just about one or at least broken even. When he gets in space, he's a bit fumbly. Perhaps it's his first few games against men, I suppose, so that's to be expected, a bit faster paced. But, yeah, there's a lot to work with there. Look, he's playing in a pretty hard position. I mean, playing in a back pocket on your super quick forwards, he's always going to be under the pump. And I reckon he's standing up all right at the moment. Sure, he's making mistakes, but you've got to expect that from an 18-year-old in his first season. Absolutely. And look, oh, don't get me wrong, I'm not crying out for him to be dropped. It was just a, it was just one of those interesting games from him. There was a bit of everything, wasn't there, in the, with good and bad. But he's got pace to burn, and, and I think that's going to be our advantage um, coming up for our next opponent with Geelong. And that's why I'd be reluctant to actually uh, remove him from the next game because uh, I want to see that pace. And um, But I thought Jarman, Jasper, Cam O'Shea off the half-back line, uh, they all had their great moments, even though Cam, I thought, was beaten by Darling. He also did some, some good things off the half-back line, and uh, all three of them provided us good run. I think the other thing which is interesting is just how many key players we had down, but we still won the game. I mean, you look at sort of Wingard, Boak, Hartlett, O'Shea and Westhoff, they all had very, very dirty sort of first three quarters. I know sort of like Boak and Hartlett had about 15 touches between them up to about three-quarter time. As you say, the cream rises to the top and uh, Wingard, Boak and Harlot all had very, very important last quarters. 
Travis has done that quite a few times uh, this year now, hasn't he? He's been a bit uh, quiet, and then in the last quarter, he's stepped up to the plate and and really given us that drive and uh, generation of uh, movement forward. So, uh, you know, he's still doing his role as captain, and obviously he's copping heavy tags. Um, yeah, the other thing I thought was noticeable as well outside of that, which was a, which is a pretty good observation, is also we seem to have a big emphasis this week on really, uh, once we got to the centre mark, uh, really driving it long into the forward line, I thought. Even though some of our entries were shallow, we definitely seemed to go with the theory of let's kick it long and direct rather than chip it around and slow movement into the forward 50. Do you guys notice that as well? Yeah, I think so. It's um, probably a product of having the smaller forward line and trying to get it in as quickly as possible. Um, Matt White in particular, a couple of his runs from half-back and long kicks, yeah, it's, it makes for good footy to watch when we're moving the ball like that. Um, not sure it always worked to great effect on Saturday night, but we maybe when Montfries gets back in the team and Wingard's a bit fitter, Westhoff clunks a few. That'll be dangerous ball movement coming out of half-back. So how did you guys find Sam Gray uh, for his second game? He got benched at the end of the third quarter um, and uh, put on the vest. Uh, did you think that he uh, followed up all right after his first uh, game and against Brisbane? I thought when he got the ball, he, was, he wasn't he was too bad. Um, obviously, he struggled. I think it was more to do with our game style than anything else. As I said a little bit earlier, we just seemed to hoof the ball inside forward 50. And for a guy that's 174 centimetres tall, that's never going to be a great thing. Um, so I think he really struggled to get in, into the game on that uh, on that behalf. Um, whether he gets another game this week, I'm not too sure. Um, he might have to go back to the SANFL uh, for a couple of weeks and then come back. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to have a few more tools in that team. Um, Homsch, hopefully, back this week. Um, Monfrey's a chance. I don't know, I think we could have used another tall defender on the weekend. The way Darling got a hold of O'Shea, it was just a bit bit too strong for O'Shea. And then um, Jonas moved on to him and he outworked Jonas. Jonas is a fit guy, but Darling's a freak of nature, basically. He <laughs> outworked him, got a goal from that where Jonas was just basically spent. Um, Darling got the ball and then was able to get it over the top to a a free man because Jonas couldn't couldn't make the changeover with Trengove on the mark. It's great to watch, really, a young centre-half forward, just clunking marks, running so hard. It's just a shame he doesn't play for us. Don't start. There'll be a few posters complaining about that soon. Oh, just as a little sideways point, how shit was Ben Jacobs on the weekend? <laughs> I didn't even see it. Was he that? Was oh, he that bad? Was he? He was awful. Absolutely awful. Got the slowest sort of hand to foot I've ever seen in an AFL footballer. It's like under twelve stuff. Yeah. He sees the option, and it just takes forever for him to get it there. Terrible. No, well, that's good. Good on him. <laughs> bad for him. But I mean, if you want to go from bad to good uh, and look at age differentials, what about Dom Cassisi's game? I thought he was fantastic on Saturday night. His defensive pressure, his tackling, contested possessions, you know, he, he worked his guts out in the midfield and, and uh, you know, there was a few of us thinking that he needs to be pushed out. But I think it's going to be, you know, a tough job pushing him out at the moment because he's looking fit and he's really 
earning his spot in the side. Absolutely. Turning back the clock, that was probably his best game since maybe 2011, I reckon. He, he just dominated. He was fantastic. All his inside work was great. He laid a number of key tackles. He stood up when uh, when we needed someone to stand up in those middle two quarters when all our sort of uh, better names these days were, were looking sort of down and, and close to falling out of it. Um, yeah, super game. Good on him. He's had a fantastic year. Has there ever been a player who smothers the ball more often than Cassisi? Seems every week he's getting a couple, just throwing yeah. himself across someone's boot. Absolutely. Oh. The only one, the only one that I think that can compete against him there is probably uh, Holmes. I reckon he's a fantastic smotherer and he's doing it all the time. But you know, they, those defensive acts are just inspirational. And you know, Dom's been doing it what for the last over ten years now. And uh, you know, it's great to see him still showing that. You know, the old boys can still uh, uh, do it just as well as the young boys. And we'll need him with this week coming up as well. That's it. Might need you guys to use your mod powers and burn some of the comments I said about Matt White last year when he was at Richmond. <laughs> How do you think said I more things about him, but <laughs> he's a good footballer now he's here, and that's what matters. <laughs> absolutely. He is just a complete 180 on the footballer that I absolutely hated at Richmond. Um, super quick, kicks goals, uh, delivers the ball. Very, very clever. Very, very strong as well. Uh, good on him. He's been a fantastic pickup. And it's great to see. I know um, we were all sort of lamenting the lack of pace in our side last year. Just with Polek, White, Impey, just those three players have just turned our side around. Mm. Absolutely. And, I mean, what we forget is, I mean, even at the top level, the players that can run that fast, it's difficult to execute 100% of the time. And uh, so there's going to be moments where they, you know, they fluff it or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I think Matt White's uh, disposal and delivery for the whole season has been, uh, you know, above average and, mm-hmm. you know, and very, and very acceptable. And, and that's what we needed, though, isn't it? We needed that extra leg speed in our team. Yep. And, that's what's, and that's what's giving us that drive to really take on those zone-based defences and really push hard at it to try and either get over it or get through it. And, I mean, his split... I think it was in the third quarter where he just split like three West Coast players and took two running bounces and, and deli- did he deliver it long into the inside 50 or did he handball it off? I can't remember now. But, you know, the run itself, yeah, I think he kicked it long too. But, I mean, that's, the, uh, that's what we've been crying out for and uh, it's great to see it. And there's nothing better in footy when you've got a fast guy who takes the game on. And, I mean, that's why I'm so keen on Jasper as well. Again, he's got pace, not at, not at White's level, but enough to really be able to take the game on and try and do something with it. And we, we need those boys in the side. Yep. I thought Jasper just about had his best game on the weekend. He mm. hardly made a mistake. He was great defensively, intercepting the ball. Well, look, seeing you brought it, seeing agree. you brought it up, hundred percent, he was great. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but seeing you guys have brought it up for a change, I'll, uh, I'll say yeah. I thought, <laughs> uh, I thought Jasper was fantastic. I've been having a nice, friendly debate on Facebook with someone today over it. They were, they were saying, how does he keep getting a game? But well, honestly, how could you be critical of his game? You know, he provided us that run, eighty-seven percent disposal efficiency. Um, his pressure acts were up there as well. You know, and I think there's a lot of stuff that people 
don't notice with him. And, you know, his defensive pressure was great. You know, and he backs, he's willing to back into a pack. And he's not a, he's not the biggest, uh, like, thicker set guy out there, but he's still willing to put his body on the line if he has to. And, and that's just part of the team play that Ken's really focused on with all our players. And they're all doing it. If it's their turn, they're putting themselves on the line. And that was the Jasper Pittard podcast, everybody. Tune in again on Thursday. <laughs> Steady on, mate. <laughs> no, he Jasper was fantastic on the weekend. I agree, that was probably his best game for the year. Um, didn't put a foot wrong. Can't complain about anything he did. He was great. That's what yep. I want to see every week. Freeze up Broadbent too, which is fantastic. Yep. It just is. Do you want to give us your top five, mate? Okay, yeah. So my top five were um, Gray, who we've touched on, had him best on, um, given him a lot of votes this year. Had Ebert next best, then Elipade Carlisle for his job on Kennedy. Thought he did a very good job there. Had a good year as well. Um, had Matt White with two votes, and Lobie with the one. Thought it was his best game for the year as well. Competed hard all night. Well, you're probably you guys are probably going to disagree with me, but but I actually had I put Jackson Trengove and Nala Patty Carlisle as uh, my one two. Um, you know, we we as supporters always seem to overlook uh, defenders quite often, but you know they've been key pillars, and they were up against um, you know a good resting Rutman, whoever was down there, plus their tall forwards, and both of those guys did not put a foot wrong. And and Jackson, I put it, I put him in front of Alapati because I thought he was still he was great in ruck as well as defence, and they were there, they were everywhere, and you know they provided us rebound plus they stopped everything. Um, you know, we would have been lost without those two guys. And they're two guys that are really committed to the club in a strong way. So yeah. good on them. Um, yeah, I had Robbie Gray third, um, Brad Ebert fourth. And I put I actually put Jasper in my top five as fifth. I, I thought, again, he played a great game, uh, took it up to the plate. And then, you know, I probably would have been equal with Jared Pollock, which I, I thought was a great game as well. Good stuff. You know, I had Robbie Gray as uh, best on ground. Such an important third quarter. Gave us back the lead going into the last break. Yeah, 13 contested possessions, five clearances, two goals. Um, as we've said, he's just a super consistent, high-quality, almost elite player nowadays. Great to see. Good on you, Robbie. Um, I had Brad Ebert second. Um, he was phenomenal in the first half. Really got us going in the first. Um, kept us in it uh, when it looked like we were struggling. He was probably the best of our sort of bigger-name players. Um, I had Dom Cassisi third. Absolutely loved his game. As we said, it was the Dom of old, you know, key tackles, great inside work, just kept us in the game. Probably his best game for about three years. Um, Matty White, fourth, uh, a great start and a great finish. He's just become such an important league-up player um, with that run and carry, especially late in games. Um, he's almost doing what O'Shea was doing last year and just sort of just bolting out... Um, and he it just seems has have better fitness than most other players on the park, which is great. Um, and those two runs, as we mentioned, to start the last quarter, um, really got us going in the last quarter, I thought. And uh, my fifth was Alipati Carlisle. Just his development since Ken came on board, I honestly didn't think he's had this in him. I was ready. Well, I think I actually did write him off. I thought, no, he's not going to be anything anymore. Um, it took a few extra years than we'd hoped. Um, but he's now that player that we all expected him to become uh, through that sort of 2008-2010 period. 
super good defender, great spoiler, um, is rebounding well, and just makes smart decisions under pressure, which we haven't really seen from him in the past. Um, and yes, honourable mentions got to go to Jared Polek and uh, Jackson Trengove. I thought he was fantastic too. Yeah, it gave me a few nervous moments when Trengove was down in the second quarter. He was copped a knock and he was off the ground for a good 10 or 15 minutes. And I was looking at the game and Darling was running a mark and Kennedy was on the verge. He missed a few, but he was looking ominous. And I sort of, geez, I hope Jackson can get back out there soon. <laughs> he did and he played well too. Absolutely, yeah. Beat Cox uh, convincingly, I thought. Yeah, definitely. Great to come away with a win at the House of Pain. Absolutely. Brings back the memories of the early to mid-2000s where we'd just go over there and it was almost pencil down a win, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, good times. Should we um, should we just have a quick chat about this uh, competition, Macca, while we're still on the, uh, the AFL side? Go for it, buddy. Yeah? Yep. So... Basically, the nuts and bolts are that um, my business, New Vision, sponsors the podcast, and so I thought it was a good opportunity um, to offer up two locker room tickets for podcast listeners. Um, as as everyone would know, Macca and I are trying. We welcome the support we've already got from the people that come on to the the people that just want to listen, and we're very appreciative of everyone's kind words. So this is a way of us giving something back. So uh, for the Hawthorne game, um, I'm going to put up two locker room tickets uh, for people that listen to the podcast. All I ask is um, yeah, you go on to the Facebook page and you don't have to share the, the Facebook page, but just share the post um, where I put up the podcast. So if you just search Big Footy Power, on Facebook, you should find our page, and if you have any troubles finding it, I'll link it into the, the thread as well, or just feel free to ask me or Macca or any of the mods, and we'll send you there. If you can just share the, our podcast and tag a friend in the pod in the comment section as well, so you can, we can try and increase the awareness of the podcast for people, you'll go in the drawer. Um, there's going to be probably, I don't know, four or five, six podcasts between now and then, if you do it more than once, I'll put you in the drawer more than once. I think the value of the tickets are about 180 bucks each, uh, so you know, nearly 400 bucks. Mac has been there. I think he's enjoyed the uh, the atmosphere of the tickets, so it should be a good prize. Uh, so, and the only other condition is that you have to be able to come to Mobbery to pick them up as well. All right, <laughs> so yeah, so you got to come to me. So, and what we'll do is we'll announce those on. Uh, on the Thursday before the game, and whoever wins it can come pick it up on the on the Friday. Fantastic. Such a great idea. And the locker room is a brilliant experience, and I recommend anybody that has the chance to do it, get in there. It's bloody great. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, just get out there and, and share and, and comment the podcast and get it out there and just help us uh, get our uh, message out to more people. Let's talk about the SANFL. Uh, the Port Magpies played the Woodville West Torrens today at Woodville Oval. Um, look, it was a pretty similar story to last week. We dominated the first quarter. It was six goals, six to one goal at quarter time. It was 25 to six inside 50s. 
Um, to Woodville West Torrens' credit, they got back into the game in the second and third quarters and really kept it interesting up until three-quarter time. They actually came home with the breeze but chose to go super, super defensive. And it was all poured after that. We actually won 15 goals, 19 to 8 goals, 3. Uh, the stats um, in terms of the game stats were just as ugly as last week. We had 34 scoring shots to 11, 68 inside 50s to 25, and we had 20 more clearances than Woodville West Torrens as well. Yeah, well, looking at the stats, as you say, it's um, thankful for Woodville West Torrens, I guess, that it was a pretty windy day going by what people commented because that could have been a 100-point flogging. Um, 68 inside 50s to 25. You're going to have a comfortable win every time with those kind of numbers. Um, it's good to see Jake Mead hit the scoreboard. I saw um, at halftime he'd had three goals, which is, you know, that's a good output from him. That's what we want to see. Um, he finished with three, so he didn't kick any more in the second half, but that's what, what he needs to do, I think, to get back in the side. Um, the elephant in the room, I guess, and we've got to touch on this, I suppose, is John Butcher. Just the three disposals, one mark. Um, yeah. What's, where's he at? So disappointing. I know he kicked five goals last week, but I was fairly critical of his performance last week still. Um, it wasn't really a key forwards effort um, in terms of sort of taking grabs and kicking goals that way. It was more of a... A, a small forwards effort, how he got those goals. And today, yeah, I mean, two kicks, one mark. That one mark he took was uh, dropping back in defense. He spent a little bit of time in the ruck as well. I know it was a very, very windy day, but he just could not get near the ball. Uh, very, very disappointing. Mitch Harvey uh, only scored one goal, one as well. So our two big forwards didn't really uh, influence the uh, the scoreboard at all. Uh was was there maybe was it in our delivery uh, to the big forwards? Maybe it was just the conditions, but it looks like all the crummers were the ones that hit the board. Yeah, I guess it's hard to say without being there, but it certainly doesn't look good. You'd sort of you'd be hoping it's his fifth year now, isn't it? So you'd be hoping Butch would be clunking a few and kicking goals when he's at that level. But yeah, it's a bit disappointing. But hopefully we'll bounce back from that. Um, it was great to see all our midfielders were well on top for the day. Mitchell, Newton, Moore all had a lot of football. Yep, absolutely. Kane Mitchell, he's going to win a bloody McGarry um, one day, I reckon. If he stays in South Australia for the rest of his career, he'll definitely match that Sandover medal that he got. He had 35 touches, three marks, seven clearances, 10 inside 50s, and one goal four. He could have had a day out, an absolute huge day out there if he had a kick straight. Uh, Benny Newton, he's probably the one that I want to talk about a little bit more. That's his second fantastic game in a row. Um, 33 disposals, 14 clearances is obscene. Uh, 10 inside 50s and two goals. He's got to be pretty bloody close uh, to getting a call up. Yep, it might be time. There's a few on our board who are pretty keen to see him, I think. Um, from what, what I've heard, he's got beautiful left foot as well, so he should be well suited to AFL football. Um yeah, hard for integration to the team this week, you'd think, but I don't know if there's a spot for him. You'd you'd hope he'd take it. Um, maybe a sub, who knows? That's right. I guess the good thing is that if we don't choose to go down the Newton path, we've got Andrew Moore, who's in just as good form. He had 28 disposals, four marks, uh, eight clearances himself, and five inside 50s. 
And uh, also Paul Stewart uh, putting his name up for selection with two very, very good games in a row. He had 15 marks and three goals playing uh, a little bit of a lead-up forward type game. Um, and as you said, Jakey Need with three goals. It's great to see him getting the ball again. Yeah, Paul Stewart could be an interesting one if we're looking for that extra extra forward, extra sort of tall forward. Um, he, he started last year in good goal-kicking form and then sort of injured and lost a bit of touch. But if he could come back in and kick a few goals every week, that'd be handy for us at AFL level. Definitely. If Butcher's, uh, if Butcher can't get a kick, I think Paul Stewart would be a, a fantastic sort of supplement to that forward line. Yeah, it's just, I guess, um, if there's a spot for him, Montfrey should be back soon. Um, but the way he's playing, he's putting his name up there for contention, and that's what you want to see from your reserves. So he can only play as well as he can and should get a game sooner rather than later. Uh no, look, I agree with pretty much everything you said there, and I, I actually think that um, Paul Stewart with his three goal threes and 15 marks could be almost a Monty to, to get in the side next week. Uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday, obviously, but um, uh, you know, even as a defensive forward as well. And uh, it's good to see Ben Newton uh, backing up performances now. And uh, as you pointed out, with 14 clearances, he has to be uh, pretty close to getting a run and you know, and uh, there's going to be a few guys that might be a bit unlucky and, and might miss out with this week against Geelong, but I wouldn't hesitate uh, now that he's backing up those performances and giving him a shot. That's it. He's absolutely ready to debut now. He's done a lot of hard work. Um, he's backing it up week after week. It's time. That's exactly right. All right. Well, thanks for coming on here, Justice. It sounds like you had a fantastic time at the game, um, and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, loved every bit of it, and thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. We'll get you back on again soon, that's for sure. Looking forward to it. And Rick, as always, buddy. Yeah, pleasure, mate, and thanks for coming on as well as just is, and uh, glad you enjoyed it, and hopefully the Frio game at the end of the year will be just as enjoyable for you. Yeah, I hope so. That's it. Well, let's get cracking towards the, uh, the Geelong game, thinking about that one. Until next time, go Port Adelaide. Go Port. Go Port. Spears an inside 50, Schultz comes hard, flicks it out, Bokes, it'd be appropriate, the captain, that is gold class, leadership agrees with Travis Boat, he's better than ever.